Helvetia Rocked is a Swiss national association raising awareness about gender inequality in the music industry while supporting, promoting and connecting professional female, inter, non-binary and trans artists. Through its grassroots projects such as producing, DJing, band workshops and songwriting camps, it offers platforms for young people of all levels to discover music and be part of an empowering community. Find out more on our website, helvetziarocked.ch. Sign up for the newsletter and follow us on social media. Musicians in Conversation is sponsored by Suiza, the cooperative society of music authors and publishers in Switzerland. Suiza is celebrating its 100-year anniversary in 2023. Hi everyone, my name is Natalia Anderson and I'm a presenter, content creator and DJ. In this episode of Musicians in Conversation, I speak with Anya Della Croce, who is a production manager and tour manager, as well as the executive manager of the French-speaking office of Pepsi. We discuss the difference between the roles of production manager and tour manager, the importance of grassroots venues for the music industry and what we can do to support them, We also talk about the topical subject of ticketing systems causing extortionate prices for fans of music. Anya answers an audience question and don't forget if you have a question, simply send a direct message to Helvetia Rocked on Instagram. In the meantime, here's my conversation with Anya. Hi, this is Anya de la Croce and you are listening to Helvetia Rocked, Musicians in Conversation, Backstage. Hello, Anya. Thank you for joining me today on Helvetia Rocks Musicians in Conversation. Thank you very much for having me with you. So I'm going to start our interview with the question that I ask everyone, and that is, how did you get started on your musical journey? Um, I used to work in a company that owned bars in Lausanne. And within those bars, one of them was called Le Bleu Lézard. And there was a little cave behind, like on, on under it, which is called La Cave du Bleu Lézard, which still exists today. I think I've been there. Yeah, probably yeah. you did. And um, so I was working as a bartender for many years. And at some point there was a position opening in the service d'animation, they called it. So basically it was running all the events, the cultural events, the exposition, exhibitions in the, rest, in the different restaurants and doing the booking for this place. And I never did any booking. I was, I think I was 19 or something. 1920 something like that and they actually hired me and I started to work for them and that's how I started in the music industry like very out of nowhere actually really and and before that did you did you ever play any music or did you were you listening to a lot of music growing up I was listening to a lot of music growing up and I played the piano but never I mean yes I did play the piano for quite a few years but that was never my intention to become a musician. But yeah, I listened to a lot of music. I went to a lot of shows. I got involved in a few events, um, working backstage or at bars. I worked during four years at the Montreux Jazz Festival as a responsible at one of the bar there at the Miles Davis Hall back in the time. So yeah, I was quite interested, I guess, and passionate. That is brilliant. I want to get into you um, as a production manager 
and a tour manager. First of all, what is the difference between a production manager and a tour manager? Well, a production manager is basically in charge of advancing a tour, which means like getting everything ready before the band goes on the road. So it would be um, booking the transports, booking the hotel, talking to the technical teams, uh, preparing the riders, technical sheets. Uh, sometimes you also have in big tours, you have like one technical production manager and one like artist production manager. Oh, and what's the difference between that? Well, if you're doing just technical, you're just basically going to talk about everything that comes to technical. Yeah. So it's backline rental or backline um, lights, uh, sound, of course, obviously. And if you are just doing production like hospitality production, it's more about everything that goes around it. So it would be hotels, transports, dinners, catering. Okay. Make sure everybody got the right information before you go on the road. Timings, of course, like how, like what time do you arrive to a venue? Where do you park the bus? Those kind of things. Yeah. And the tour manager is on the road uh, making sure everything goes accordingly and smoothly. So it's actually pretty current that you do both sides of the job. Well, I was going to ask that. So it could be the same person who's doing the production ahead of time and then that's the same person who's there on tour with, with a band or Definitely. Artist. And this is, this is something I usually insist on because I prefer doing my own pre-production so I know where I'm walking in, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. If someone else does the job for you, I mean, it works, of course, but it's sometimes not exactly how you would do it or how you would. It also gives you a sense when you exchange emails or phones with the people beforehand. Like, okay, how is it going to be? Is this one be maybe a little trickier because of parking spots, for example, yeah. or access to showers or whatever question you may have? And, mm. and if you don't do the advancing yourself, sometimes I, th I, I think it's a bit... For me, it's a bit frustrating. Absolutely. And also everything changes pretty. I mean, if you go on a long run, things are moving. Because you, like you would presumably before. be able to go phone back to the production person, production manager who's done it, the booking and say, oh, can you change that whilst you're already out on tour? Yeah, but to me, it doesn't make any sense to doesn't have like an extra uh, person working on this. At some point, it's always easier that you actually deal with it yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you get into that side of things? Well, after I worked at Bleu Lézard, I think I, I think I've done it pretty much all. I mean, I've, I've worked in a label. I worked for a record company. I did a press promotion. I worked for the radio. Uh, pff, I did so many things. The first time I went on tour, it was, I was working for Headstrong Music, which was a label and an agency in Lausanne. Okay. And my first gig was with Double Pact. They don't even exist anymore. What? Do you know Double Pact? No, I don't. It's the first what, band. What sort of music is it? It's hip-hop. Oh, wow. And Stress used to be in that band, and then he became Stress as a solo project artist. So I think my first gigs were with them and with Sans Unique. And then I came back to the road like a few years later when I was working with IMG where I started to do more production and touring with the Young Gods. Yeah, yeah. And I still work with them today. So. Right, yeah, we're going to touch upon that. I just want to sort of draw, find the connection between, you know, you working in venues and then actually going on tour and production manager, tour manager, potentially different set of skills that you need to do these jobs like how did you transition from one thing to another I think I went back and forward from one and another but I think what's interesting if you start in the music industry and and that's what I really learned and that was really 
impacting for me is that some 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 jobs I'm really bad at it. I'm a very bad seller, for example. Why? I used to to book bands, and I don't know how to do that. But then I booked bands for a festival, so I was a buyer, which is the opposite. And yes. I was quite okay in doing this. So yeah. you know, at some point, once you you do different things and you test different positions, then you find yourself okay. This one maybe I'm better. And also I like it better and it's definitely different kind of skills. But the production in itself still, I mean, it's it's still production. And, and my favorite um, thing about it is like you have no, there's no problem. There's only solutions. So you need to find solutions, yeah. but it's not going to be the same kind of production if you work at a venue or a festival than if you're on the road. But basically it's the same kind of job, I mm. would say. Mm. What do you wish people knew about production the kind of work that goes into it it's very physically demanding it's very quite stressful I think um, but what, what is something that you wish people knew about what you're doing I think it's not only about production but about the entire industry at some point I remember having to convince my parents especially my mom like what I was doing was actually a job it's not just a hobby, you know, it's not like I'm going to shows and going to watch concerts and have some drinks. And then, you know, of course, sometimes we do have some drinks and have some fun. That's also part of the job. Yeah. But it's it's a job. And so when you're on the road, you can get really, really tired and really busy because, I mean, at some point, if I just need to give one example when you go to UK you need to get out of the bus when you go on the ferry then you got to go through customs then you get to get into London then you get to park the bus I think on the last tour we did in 2019 I woke up the team three times in one night oh my god and it's like at three o'clock in the morning and you need to get up and then and then you need to put on a show yeah so yeah it's 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 not easy it's it can be really much fun but you also need to I think one thing I could say also, I remember it was one artist that used to say that to me. If you arrive with a smile on your face, half of the job is done. Uh, Which I believe can be true. Yeah, yeah. But you don't always get a smile back though. Right, because it's, it's a lot of relationships. There's a lot of people. Yeah. Because it, it takes a lot to make a tour happen. You mentioned that you worked with the young gods or you're working with them. Their setup is huge. Well... Yes and no. Their setup is smaller than it used to be, and right. the production is not... I mean, it's a big production because it's 10 people on the road for three people on stage. Yeah. But, I mean, I've I've welcomed some production in my previous jobs, like as a booker at Frisson or at Fournoise, where there's like a truck or two trucks and three nightliners and 40 people on the road. So there are much bigger productions. Yeah. And but yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of people to handle and to look after. I would say also because that's also my job as a tour manager is to make sure everybody's comfortable. Yeah. But I have to say I'm very lucky to be with that band because they are really really easy and nice to work with, mm -hmm. and we have a good team too. So that helps a lot. That's brilliant. I love it because you've been working together for so many years. So it's obvious that there's like a good relationship there, and maybe a trust both ways they trusting you and you trusting them yeah um it's a very male dominated industry definitely isn't it isn't it let's just let's just state the obvious <laughs> how can we encourage more women more females intersex trans folk to 
take up this this role of what of what you're doing? I, it's difficult to answer that question straight away. What I can say is that for me it was really difficult in the beginning because it is still a very very male industry, even if there's more and more women mm-hmm. in it. But when I started up, I mean. People would look at me and say, oh, you're just 20, 21, 22. You're just a groupie. You have no idea. You don't know what you're doing, you know. And that happened. And every time I changed job or positions, I had to prove myself again, which I believe wouldn't be the case for a man. man. I I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't experience that. But I think it wasn't the case. So I think you you should just, you know, try and and go for it. And and we're also trying at the moment... um, I'm the only girl on the. I'm the only woman on the road mm-hmm. with a band, but this is something we want to change, and mm-hmm. and I'm trying to bring some other people on the road, you know. And I know some bands really want to have like equality, want to have parity in their travel party. Yeah. The travel party is the, the amount of people that are on the road, and I think it's it's important, but it's also to me it shouldn't be a criteria. Meaning, I mean, you also pick the people for their skills. Mm-hmm. So if you can have, you know, like the same skills with a woman go for the woman for sure yeah absolutely I I think I was talking to somebody recently they were saying that there's more schools now you know it's something that you could before you would just learn on the job kind of thing but now there's maybe like uh higher education or some certain courses that people can do to maybe study production production management and um maybe even tour management but is that something that you would advise is that is that a way that some people can get get in or is it like I don't, you got to be in the trenches yeah, no, I don't <laughs> think I would advise that but it's also because I think it's good that we get into education and I think it's very important but at the moment there are more and more and more programs but there are not necessarily more jobs so you also got to be careful not to train too many people that will not be able to get a job afterwards. So, mm-hmm. so I'm actually I I know nothing about nothing about those programs. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be the best person to advise. But I think the best way to get in is to start, you know, volunteering in a venue or in a festival, get involved, uh, ask to be inter- like do an internship or just reach out. Yeah, reach out to some band or some people you know or some people you you know some band you like and just you know try to get in a team and maybe start trying to help with the merch or I don't really know. It's just, it's, it's, that's how I started actually. So, but yeah, I learned on the, on the road. I learned I on the road. And what about for people who might be thinking, oh, I don't want to be the only woman on the road or I don't want to be the only, you know, person who's not a cis, cisgender man on the road. What would you say? I would say there are more and more like there's, not that much tour left with just one woman on the road mm. but there still are some but then it's it's also a matter of how the other people treat you and and if you will if you are going on the road for like let's say four to six weeks you need the respect and you need the just just to yeah to be kind to each other and to look after each other mm. But I would understand it's not, I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm really fed up. I'm in a bus with nine guys. It's not always easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's also the way you learn how to toughen a bit you yeah. know, somehow. What's one of your favorite memories? What's a standout sort of memory of, your, of, a, of a tour situation that you, you've been on? 
Oh my God, that's a complicated one. I have so many memories. We laugh a lot and we talk a lot and we yeah. listen to a lot of music. So I would say probably one of our blind tests in the bus after a show or something like oh, that. Cool. You know? Or some parties or some dancing or some... And the shows on the last tour in the set list, there was a moment where I could actually see the audience flipped, you know? They would be... I mean, there's this one track that's kind of transcendent and very, very tribal. And you can really see the audience get into it. And and this is amazing when you when you know the set and yeah. you know it's gonna happen, but it happens every night again and again. Yeah. And you really see them going like crazy and you're like, okay, this is it, we're in it now. The show's gonna be good, you know. If you're involved in music as a hobby, profession, or both, sign up for free on the Helvetia Rocked Music Directory. It's a platform for women, non-binary, trans and intersex people in the Swiss music industry. For singers, instrumentalists, bookers, managers, sound engineers, photographers, and many more of all levels. It's about visibility. It's about community. It's about empowerment. We invite all of you to participate in this project. For further information, go to musicdirectory.ch. What are some of the ways that a small band or artist can tour maybe without a tour manager or production manager? There's a lot of bands that are touring without, and I don't think you need one. I think you can really be fine by yourself. It's just once it gets more international and um, I would say with a maybe bigger production. You just need to be aware of the responsibilities and the tasks that you will have to handle, you know. And I would say if if there is like a bus, a driver, someone for the merch, like a team to, you know, manage. Yeah. Then it's good to have someone to do that. But it's a lot of bands are touring with that, mm. small bands. Mostly. Is there a stage? Is there like a sort of definable stage of the career of a artist or band where you can identify and say, this is now the time when you should start employing someone? Well, I, I guess it's basically also the money, like mm. the kind of money you can put in it because having a team, is it costs money. You need to pay those people, right? So yeah. at some point you might want to say, okay, for this band, maybe it's better to get a sound engineer because like we're going to start with a sound engineer and then maybe add a light engineer. And, you know, I, I, I did a tour with a Canadian artist back in the days where it was just him and me on the road. And the first question I asked to their management was like, but do you not prefer to have someone to do the sound? Because it would be also good for him to have like a proper sound engineer not changing every night. But yeah. for them, it was more about dealing with the transports and the merchandising and, and having someone to look after him. So they preferred to hire me than a sound engineer. So I think it's really a, a question of priorities at some point. Yes. And it's not just, there's not just one way to do it. It really depends on the bands and on what, you know, what you expect and, and also the kind of budget you have. Yeah, absolutely. You are the executive manager of the French-speaking office of Petsy. Yes. Can you explain what Petsy is, first of all? Sure. Petsy is the Swiss Federation of Non-Profit uh, live music venues and festivals. Um, 
We have two offices, one in Zurich and one in Fribourg. And um, we represent over 200 members. Um, I'm not sure exactly how many festivals and clubs, but it's both. It's pretty, it's pre I would say maybe 50-50. And I work for the French-speaking part of Switzerland. Um, and yeah, we, what we do basically is we, we offer different services to the members. Yeah. Um, there's a ticketing service, a non-profit ticketing service, an agenda online. Uh, we organize um, trainings for on different subjects and and we do a lot of advocacy and uh, legal consulting a little bit also when the legislation changes and of course in the past two years we had a lot of work to do on that line because the pandemic hit everybody pretty yeah. hard so we were really busy wow. defending their interests can i go to the you mentioned the ticketing system i think right now i'm hearing a lot of discussion about the ticketing system getting the tickets to fans and we're talking about big venues we're talking about maybe i'll bleep them out but live nation yeah. <laughs> Ticketmaster and live nation are dominating the industry and it is at is to the detriment really of the fans and maybe the artists themselves i've read different viewpoints um especially from where maybe the artists stand whether they're part of it whether they're getting a cut of this money and so whether it benefits the artists for these uh, extortionate pricing that's happening as a result of the monopoly but um i suppose what are your thoughts on this system as it stands at the moment and perhaps what is petsy doing in terms of the ticketing system that you have to, to make sure that it's um, sure. available to fans? Uh, I don't think I'm the best person to answer that because I'm not in charge of the ticket ticketing service. We have like a great team of volunteers like really working really hard on this part. But for sure, we do have an issue about the monopoly of those big companies that you named. And it's not only in terms of ticketing. They also buying companies or festivals or venues. That and, is right. That is um, right, yeah. So this is, this is to me, honestly... I, I say in the in the last month or years that I'm kind of happy not to be really a booker anymore in this industry because when I see where it goes, I'm like, wow, okay, this is becoming really hard to keep fighting. And to me, what's most important is that we keep a diversity in what we can offer. And if all the venues and festivals or big companies are bought by those, you know, huge companies worldwide it's not going to work. We're not going to be able to, you know, continue. And I think this, in, in this view, it's really important for us to be able to offer this service. It's a service that's only for the members of Petty. Okay. So, for example, it. it's not available to everyone. Yeah. But most of our members now start really using it, even sometimes just, just this, just our system, even if we're not competitive in terms of, giving money you were talking about kickbacks and stuff like it's a it's a real messy thing that's yeah. going on and there, there's I'll, I'll share the link with you there's a john oliver episode about Ticketmaster oh, that really? is amazing seriously you have to watch this it's so funny but so truth and yeah. so sad at the same time but he really explains how it it's working and yeah this is this is a real issue and i think venues and artists and festivals should be careful and aware of this because at some point it's going to be at the cost of the fans like Absolutely. you just said yeah yeah um, we're already seeing that how i mean it's 
it could be potentially on like a legal level, almost like a political level at this stage, because I'm not sure how much even artists themselves can do um, when it comes to ticketing and getting their fans in when it's not physically going through them. No, I think you're right. I think it's a political fight to start. Mm -hmm. And it's actually starting to emerge in the US as well. AOC just posted something about this. And so uh -huh. about the illegal, like supposedly illegal merge of Live Nation Ticketmaster working together that yeah. should have not been allowed. So I think, yeah, we need to be careful and, and have a look at this. And I know some countries or some associations in other countries are trying to have, like in the UK, for example, they have tried to install an investment fund, uh, like a pipeline investment fund, saying, okay, all the big artists that play uh, big stadium now, they started in grassroots music venues. They yeah. started in a small, on a small stage. So those tickets that are so expensive should also, if, if they're taking percentage for you know, all the kind of kickbacks, they could also kick back to the smaller venues to help them survive Absolutely. because they're facing issues. And it's also a way to reinvest in the future artists and the future independent music somehow. absolutely and actually that leads me on to my question to you about the importance of grassroots venues like what why are they so important well for many many different reasons i think but what we need to not talk about we only talk about like concerts and business and cultural aspects which is one thing but then there's a social aspect of it a lot of people start working in a venue and end up working in the government for culture, you know? Like, most of the people that are in place now, they started as a volunteer in a small festival or small venue of their region. So mm -hmm. this is one point, maybe. It's also where the, the scene can meet. The artist, uh, in a large way, not only the musicians, they can just come and hang out and meet in those, you know, those smaller venues. Yeah. Um, it's where musicians start their career i mean it's where you actually go to do your first show as a you know emerging band if if you just you live for example in Bern, you're going to start like in a small club before maybe ending on a huge festival stage you yeah. never know um for those aspects i think it's very important and and also in a way of of um education like we were talking before this is also where people maybe have their first job you know like mm -hmm. when you're a student you go and you just do like the 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 door entrance or you work at the bar or you work at the security you know or at in the backstage or whatever and this is also how you get to know to start to know the I, I don't really like to call it the just the business but it's the industry, industry. because it is an industry for absolutely sure. what can people do to support these venues, these grassroots venues? What, what uh, I mean, perhaps other than like buying a ticket to, to go, like, is there anything that we can do to support? Um, I think, yeah, going and attending is one of them. But I think one of the main challenge we have at the moment is on the volunteering part because COVID really, really messed it up somehow because people changed their inhabitants. You know, they, they, they stayed home, um, all the volunteering, the volunteers that were involved in those venues, some of them came back, but some of them really, you know, found other interests or decided maybe it was time to switch to something else, which is completely understandable. Mm. But yeah, you should get in, like, get involved because they need the help. Like most of them are looking for volunteering, volunteers or people just to, 
not all of them are working just for, with volunteering. You can also get, you know, small fees and stuff. It's yeah. small positions, but mm. yeah, and talk about it. Just, you know, support your local scene. This is our slogan at the moment. We yeah. have like a campaign going on. And it's just, just to, yeah, so the people also go a bit more local, I would say. Oh, I love that as something really um, tangible that we could do, especially when you said about volunteering. And what I like about the act of volunteering, you're giving your time, but you're also getting back so much from the act of just being in the environment and learning and seeing. And for me, like just even talking about uh, your career progression, I could see like a distinct line between like being somewhere, being in a venue, being in in an industry or part of an industry and getting a career out of it. You know, that's that's something I think is just such a wonderful thing. Like you could literally start off as a volunteer and end up anywhere in 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 the industry if yeah we're for sure and and i think this is also where you start meeting people and and the networking in this industry is really important so yeah just go for it for sure let's go back a bit to uh, to touring how can artists nowadays think about sustainability when they are going on tour it is quite a big um machine i think well depending on the size of the band but the 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 imprint is it is that what it's called or the footprint that people leave is can can be quite significant so what should some artists think about well it's a big topic and it's a very difficult one um i think what we know at the moment is as for a venue for example the, the the worst is actually how people come to the venue it's the audience uh-huh. It's it's not necessarily the fact that you have a big light show or, you know, but it's 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 really like sustainability is something we try to address and it's a difficult one because if we would like to completely address it, then we would say let's stop everything. Yeah, yeah. Which we don't yeah. want to do, no. of course. No. So there's a few different ways of doing it. Of course, when you go on the road with a tour bus, it can be like, okay, well, you know, you're like 10 on the bus. It, it's it's really not good for the planet or whatever. But if you actually think about it and you say, okay, but if we wouldn't be in a bus, we would be in hotels every night, 10 rooms, washing machine. You know, it's difficult to really yeah. make a statement on this and say, okay, what's worse in the end? Of course, maybe taking the train is better. But taking the train with all your gear is sometimes complicated uh-huh. and it can be also very expensive. And train is not necessarily more ecologically depending on how it runs. So this is really something we don't know enough about to make like really a decision on, okay, how are we going to do this? But there are more and more solutions coming up. Um, we try to have green riders, for example. What does that mean when you say green riders? Well, it means that you're not going to provide um, the band as a venue, for example, if the band is asking for this type of water that actually comes from the US, you're going to say, no, we're going we're to furnish you with local yes. and not with plastic bottles, for uh-huh. example. Um, you can say... Uh, let's reuse, let's take our own towels and try to reuse them oh. instead of uh, asking every night uh, different towels in the different venues. Um, you can say, let's eat vegetarian 
ven more and more venues are actually doing vegetarian menus only. Yeah. Th there's a few things you can do and start to do, but it's not only on the ecological part, it's also on the social parts that it's important. And I think to be more sustainable, we also need to address the social part of it. So there are a lot of things happening at the moment and we as Pedzi work a lot together uh, with Vers le Futur, maybe you heard of them. They just released a database, I think a few days ago, where you can find um, fact sheets that can give you inputs yeah. on how and where to start. But for sure, I mean, as long as bigger bands are using five trucks in huge productions and flying over, that's an issue. Yeah. And one of the things that can be also like a good input is try to think a little more about the what we, we call exclusivities. To have that? well, the exclusivity on the show is that the management or the agent or the basically it's mo mostly the festival, big festivals. They want an exclusive show, so they're gonna forbid the band to play in other cities or closest cities, like six okay. months before, six months after. I mean, it's something that everybody does, and I'm not saying we should stop it, but just maybe rethink a little bit how we work with this because yeah. if there was, for example, a show in Zurich and then one in Lausanne probably the people living closer to Lausanne would go to Lausanne, which is a, a smaller footprint yes, than got you know, going all across Switzerland to see one show. But then Switzerland, again, is a small country and it's not the best example for that. But yeah. I know some of the bigger festival. I was talking with a friend of mine just, just this weekend who just said, well, we book big electronic acts and most of them, they jet, you know, big DJs, they're like, okay, we jet from this show to this show. As in show private and we go, jet? Yes. Oh, my God. Because they want to do three sets in one night. <gasps> because for them, it's more, you know. Yeah, yeah, more money. Bankable. Yeah, yeah. And they start as a festival to say, well, we don't accept this. So either you come and play our festival, either you just do whatever you want, but we don't want you to jet to our yeah. festival because we don't want to have this impact on the planet. So I think it's also a start. For, for big events to start to say, okay, let's share the backline, for example. Let's try to have this when it's possible. And yeah. it's, in most cases, it is possible. We were going to talk about diversity. What does diversity mean to you in your industry? So many things. We are actually partner of the Diversity Roadmap. So we worked on this together with uh, Avesia Rock. And it's, it's a good start for us. I would say... One thing that's really important is to have this in mind all the time as venues and festivals and on the road. But again, like I just said, for, for now, I'm basically the only woman on the road, but it doesn't mean it's, it's not going to change. And I actually have a friend coming to do merchandising with me on the next few you know, few gigs. So it's nice. and, and, and the band is actually also asking for that. But it's it's all kind of diversity. And I think we just need to be conscious that you know, it's it's important to work a lot on those kind of questions. Yeah. I think when you said that, like, just, just keeping it in mind, it's something that, it's one of those things, when you constantly have it in mind, it can inform decisions. You, you, you sort of always check in with yourself. Is this yeah. something that aligns with my um, desire to be more diverse, if it's yes or no? Like, it's, it's something it's just a small step actually that that can lead to a bigger change right let's go to our audience question this one comes from at oddball 
My question is, um, what kind of needs does a tour manager need to think about in terms of organization, in terms of equipment, in terms of maybe emotional support, etc., um, when they're about to embark on, um, on a tour with an artist? What kind of needs does a tour manager need to think about in terms of organization, equipment, emotional support? Yeah, that's interesting. Right. Well, again, it also depends on, on the team you have. Um, I, in my team, have like a um, stage manager, for example, who is really in charge of every equipment that is uh, concerning the stage. But you always want to have like a few Sharpies with you, that's for sure. Um, I actually have a production suitcase, which is pink, so it makes my team laugh a lot. But <laughs> I have a lot of things in there. That what I is really, in there? Really... Tell, tell us what's inside. Well, there's a lot of things. There's always some chocolate, for sure. Uh, there's a printer, uh, paper, some Sharpies, adapters, some batteries also, because you always need batteries. Um, yeah, pretty much like a, a small office, I would say. And um, you will for sure need a computer and a phone, of course, some chargers, because people are always borrowing some or losing <laughs> them or forgetting them, whatever. I do have some... Essential oils as well. Oh, right. Yeah. Some lavender for the stress, some, some medicine. And in terms of emotional support, I think that's a very interesting question. I think you need, you need sleep. You need to sleep, like, yeah. whenever you can. You need to drink a lot of water. You need to have some friends that you can call in the middle of the night, probably. But you usually don't have that much time. So, no, yeah. I, would say, I would say one thing that's important is... When you go on the road, you set some rules also. And just to make sure the rules are set for everyone yeah. and that everybody's on the same page. And then if not, just just make your point. And I do that at least twice during the tour. It's usually concerning the mess in the bus. And it's usually the crew, not necessarily the artists. Yeah, also. So, yeah. you know, but it's just, you know, you just need to... Make sure you're there for, for each other. It also makes it easier for you afterwards because when you need some help or some, you know, to talk to someone, yeah. they're also here for you, so. Absolutely. Yeah. I love this really kind of practical advice that you've given us. It's so wonderful to have, you know, it's almost like, Guys, get your get your pen and paper and just like take notes because you gotta you can refer back to this. It's so wonderful to have that kind of um, perspective from you. Maybe one thing I could add in terms of it, it's probably not emotional, but take a walk whenever you can. Also, just get outside because if you if you're like on a long run, you're gonna be spending your time in the bus in the venue. Sometimes you have a day off, so you can go to a museum or do something. But just just. Try to be healthy. We try to be very healthy in the bus as well. Mm. And so we, like, usually Cesar makes breakfast for us. He made, like, a fruit salad or something. So it's just, this is also very important if you want to, you know, just survive the long run. Brilliant. Listen, Anya, thank you so much for your time that you spent with us today. Thank you for your knowledge. Thank you very, very much. Thank you very much for having me.
If you want to join the Helvetia Rocked community or find out more, check out the website, sign up for the newsletter and follow us on social media. If you'd like to support Helvetia Rocked, you can also become a member or donate. And if you like what you heard today, please share it with your friends. Helvetia Rocked Musicians in Conversation is a concept by Natalia Anderson in collaboration with Helvetia Rocked. It's presented and produced by Natalia Anderson. Music is by Jackie Brucher and The Jackets.